Welcome to Becoming Boundary, the podcast that teaches you how to say yes to the space you need and the connection you crave. I'm your host, Krista Resnick. I'm a master life coach and boundary expert for women. I'm also a sought-after speaker and mother to three adultish sons. It wasn't that long ago that I was a boundary disaster. My time never felt like my own. I couldn't set a boundary and speak my truth. And my most important relationships suffered greatly. Fast forward to today and I've successfully coached thousands of women to heal from their people-pleasing patterns and step into true freedom and confidence. I created Becoming Boundary to help you do the same. Be sure to tune in for tips and tools from me, interviews with other incredible coaches and therapists and speakers, plus one-on-one live coaching calls and so much more. If you're ready to start setting healthy boundaries so you can create the space you need and the connection you crave, then you're in the right space. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Becoming Boundaried. I am actually recording this episode early in the morning, my absolute favorite time of day. I love getting up early before anybody else is up and just giving myself the gift of that solitude, that space. I have several non-negotiables, my morning meditation, some journaling, just some things that I really noticed through the years have truly, truly set myself up for success, to have a really, not only productive, but just moving through a day with more calm, more ease, more choice, you know, putting me in the driver's seat of my day. So you might hear me sipping on some nice dark roasted coffee. It's the way that I love to start my day. Actually, I start my day, it's not totally true. I start my day with eight to 10 ounces of warm lemon water. That was a habit that I introduced, gosh, probably, it's been at least two years. Um, Just my body, you know, sort of detoxing all night. Felt like it was really important to put in some hydration first thing in the morning. So that was a habit that actually was really, sounds so simple and so silly, but it was hard. (laughs) Like, give me my coffee first thing out of bed. But now it's a habit, and now I don't even have to think about it, which is super cool. So how do you love to start your day? I always find it so interesting how people choose to start their day. No right, no wrong, no judgment. Everybody does what works for them or, you know, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe there's some tweaks and adjustments that need to be made, but I'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and uh, email me if you so feel called to Coaching at gmail.com. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear how you set yourself up for success. What are some of your non-negotiables to really put you in the driver's seat of your day, your week, your month, and your life? Okay, so today I have a really, um, I have a really 
I was going to say juicy topic, but I don't know. I guess it would be juicy in terms of it's something that people keep asking for. It is a really, really hot topic that has come to the surface the past few years, and that's the topic of gaslighting. We are going to talk all things gaslighting today. We're going to do Gaslighting 101. And I get asked this question often, what is gaslighting? I think I'm being gaslit, but I'm not totally sure. Can you help me understand gaslighting? So I thought that it would be really beneficial to you, the listeners, to do a podcast on gaslighting. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode of Becoming Boundary. Gaslighting was actually one of the most popular terms of 2018. And just a little background on the term, because when I first heard it years ago, I'm like, I have no idea. Why is it called that? That's a strange word. Well, it actually comes from a 1930s stage play called Gaslight. And then later on, two movies made in the 1940s, both titled Gaslight. So what it was, was in it, in these these movies, this stage play, a husband attempts to drive his wife crazy by dimming the gaslights in their home and then denying that the light had changed. So that's really what gaslighting is, my friends, is crazy making. It's crazy making. It's when you feel confused. It's when you feel like, wait a minute, wait, what, what just happened? Like, Huh? (laughs) So if you take anything else away from this podcast, I want you to really understand confusion is key because the person who is gaslighting you is saying things that don't necessarily make sense, making up lies, creating this atmosphere, this environment where you literally feel like, am I going crazy? So you will walk away feeling very confused. So gaslighting is most common in romantic settings. And there's that art of the and. It can also happen in any kind of a relationship where one person is so important to the other that they don't want to take the chance of upsetting or losing them, such as a boss, a friend, sibling, maybe a parent. And gaslighting happens in relationships where often there is an unequal power dynamic and the target has given the gaslighter power and often their respect. So the question remains, and we're going to talk about some of this in today's episode, how does somebody become a gaslighter? How do you spot it when it happens to you? And once you identify it, how do you deal with it? What do you do? So let's dive in. What exactly is gaslighting? Gaslighting is psychological manipulation that makes the person who's being gaslit question their feelings, question their instincts, even so much as questioning their insanity. And it's, I like to say that gaslighting is is sort of a form of dirty fighting because it can be so covert. You don't even realize like there's that confusion again. Like what? 
wait a minute, what, what, what's, what's happening even here in this situation? So it doesn't have to be incredibly obvious. And that's why I kind of call it that dirty fighting because it's like, hold on. It's like a slow fade and it's emotional abuse. Plain and simple. It's a form of emotional abuse. It's psychological manipulation. And it can be a really, really slow fade. If somebody's gaslighting you for years upon years upon years, it's really going to take a hit to your self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-love. Might not happen right away, but it's, again, it's that slow fade because after a while, you're going to start to really question yourself. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to doubt your feelings. You're going to even doubt your sanity. So why do people gaslight? There's two reasons that we're going to talk about here. All right, number one, gaslighters need control and power. In a relationship, they've got to be in charge. They need to be right about everything. And they routinely impose their judgments on you person being gaslit. So a gaslighter's tactics are usually constant criticism, blaming, making verbally abusive statements, intimidation, denial of responsibility, not owning their stuff, right? Uh, Minimizing abusive behavior, proclaiming dissatisfaction, with the relationship. And a lot of this might be really, really subtle at first. But the goal of gaslighting is to always weaken resistance, to break spirits, to appear blameless, to create that chaos and confusion in the mind of the person who is being gaslit. So again, if you take nothing else away, key red flag is that feeling of chaos and confusion. Gaslighting isn't an isolated or an occasional event. It's oftentimes a very insidious and persistent pattern of behavior that keeps you questioning yourself and those around you even while slowly, slowly eroding your self-esteem and even your identity. And that's why it's so dangerous, again, because it's that slow fade. It's that slow erosion. So again, number one, gaslighters need control and power. Number two, the gaslighter was raised by a parent or parents who were also gaslighters. And they learned that these behaviors were a survival mechanism for themselves. So children often learn from a gaslighting parent that they're the golden child who can do no wrong, or they're the scapegoat who is blamed for doing everything wrong. So that teaches the child a false belief that people operate in absolutes, that people are either all good or all bad. There's no gray areas. And so they start to behave towards others as if this is true. So a couple of examples here. So maybe you had a parent who was an addict. That parent may have used gaslighting 
to manipulate you into keeping their addiction a family secret. Maybe your partner grew up in an extremely strict household where breaking the rules was met with severe and harsh punishment. So it's understandable why he or she may have developed blame. They sort of picked up this technique of deflection. So like gaslighting as a way of protecting herself as a child. Now, it doesn't make it acceptable as an adult, but we can start to understand when we look at this, when you've got a child that's also being gaslit, they're going to do, because you know children are very wonderfully savvy and wise, they're going to do what they need to do to protect themselves. They're going to develop these coping strategies, these survival techniques. And so they're going to, you know, want to protect themselves and then that becomes part of their normal. And so they pick that up and then often become the gaslighter in an adult type relationship. So I want to point out a couple of things before moving on. And that is number one, the gaslighter may not even know that he or she is being controlling or manipulative. He or she may truly lack self-awareness and they may just think that they're expressing themselves directly. Or, you know, they may, you maybe have heard if you're being gaslit, you maybe have heard your gaslighter say something like, well, I just, you know, speak honest truth. I just say it like it is. So let's just say a gaslighter comes home at midnight and you ask your partner, well, where where have you been? It's midnight, right? A gaslighter might accuse you of caring too much about punctuality and then justify it to themselves by saying, what's wrong with telling someone there's something wrong with them? What's wrong with pointing out the fact that they care too much about punctuality? It's his or her way of making sense of why their partner is upset with their lateness and to put the conversation and him or herself to bed. They just kind of want the conversation to stop. So they might not have conscious awareness. Like they might not actually be telling themselves, oh, let's gaslight here in order to end this conversation and just get to bed and get out of this, you know, situation. It's such an innate type um, mechanism and survival strategy that they don't even recognize that they are being controlling or manipulative. Really important to point out here, does not make the behavior okay. Okay, does not make the behavior okay. Just simply pointing out, they may or may not be conscious of their gaslighting. Number two, it bears repeating that gaslighting is an unhealthy form of control arising from a need to dominate others. So really keep that in mind that you're being controlled. If this is you and you're in a situation where you are being gaslit, or if you're the one doing the gaslighting, it is coming from this unhealthy form of control. 
we try to, well, our number one goal really for all of us is safety. We all just want that felt sense of safety in our lives. Yes, physical safety, but also emotional safety. And we will do what we can to feel safe. And so often control is a mechanism for many of us in terms of how we create that sense of safety in our life. Now, I'm not saying it's effective if we're using gaslighting as a way to control. Not effective at all, my friends. But I'm simply saying, I'm simply pointing out for your own growth and awareness that we will utilize control as a way to create that felt sense of safety in our lives. So how do you spot gaslighting in your relationships? If you're somewhere where it's available to you, I would invite you right now to just kick back, close your eyes, and I want you to really feel into this list. I would invite you to See what feelings come up for you. See what happens in your body. As I read through a list of some potential gaslighting type situations, see if you can find yourself in some of these. If you're driving or somewhere where you can't close your eyes, you may want to come back to this, but just for now, listen, feel into this if you can. If you can't, totally fine too. So just go ahead and listen to this list. So You ask yourself, am I too sensitive? Many times throughout the day, you often feel confused, even crazy in the relationship. You're always apologizing. You feel the need to apologize all the time for what you do or who you are. You can't understand why you're not happier. You frequently make excuses for your parents' behavior. Sorry, your partner's behavior. Maybe it is your parent's behavior too. You know, maybe you are being gaslit by a parent. That's totally a possibility. So, parent or partner, you know something is wrong, but you just don't know what. Can't put your finger on it. You start lying to avoid put downs and reality twists. You have trouble making simple decisions. You'd rather allow your partner, your friend, family member to make decisions for you. You just want to avoid decision-making altogether. You wonder if you're good enough. You feel vulnerable. You feel insecure. You often feel like you walk on eggshells around your partner, your family member, your friend. You also feel on edge and you lack self-esteem. You're disappointed in yourself and who you have become. For instance, you feel like you're weak. You feel like you're passive and that you used to be stronger. You used to be more assertive. You doubt your feelings in reality. You try to convince yourself that the treatment you receive is not that bad or that you're too sensitive. You second guess yourself. You frequently wonder if you accurately remember the details of past events. You may have even stopped trying to share what you remember for fear that, you know, it's just going to be wrong again. And you assume that others are disappointed in you. You apologize all the time for, you know, maybe what you do, who you are, assuming people are 
let down by you or that somehow you've just, again, you've made another mistake. So these symptoms can occur with anxiety type disorders, depression, low self-esteem. The difference with gaslighting is that there's another person or group that's actively engaged in trying to make you second guess what you know is true. If you don't typically experience these feelings with other people, you know, maybe you've got colleagues that you're like, I don't feel this way around my colleagues. I don't feel this way around my best friend. But you do with this one particular individual, that's a red flag that you might be a victim of gaslighting. And gaslighting is going to go hand in hand with codependency because the codependent doesn't have the self-worth. It's, it's on empty or it's completely missing. And that is one of the, uh, often codependency is called self-love deficit disorder. And so a gaslighter is going to have a heyday with that because that codependent person more than likely, really until they start to step into this healing work and start to get some help and support and start to change the rules a little bit by creating some boundaries, putting, you know, some gas in their self-love tank, they're not going to take a stand. And so the gaslighter is going to have a heyday with a codependent because the codependent is just going to tolerate and just, you know, sit around and hang out with, with the gaslighter internally feeling miserable, but it's going to be a great situation for the gaslighter, right? So let's talk a little bit about what gaslighting might sound like, because I really want you to have an understanding of how it potentially might be showing up in your life so that you can get the help and the support that you need. Because again, there's so much confusion with gaslighting that oftentimes we don't even know when we're being gaslit. It's like, wait, what? I'm mm, what? What? I, what's happening right now? So let's talk a little bit about what gaslighting might sound like. Here's here's some statements that I'm just going to throw out. You let these land. See if you can see yourself in any of these, and just really pay attention to what comes up for you. You're so sensitive. You know that's just because you're so insecure. Stop acting crazy or you sound crazy. You know that, don't you? You're just being paranoid. You just love trying to throw me off track. I was just joking. You're making that up. It's no big deal. You're imagining things. You're overreacting. You're always so dramatic. Don't get so worked up. That never happened. You know you don't remember things clearly. There's no pattern. Or you're seeing a pattern that's not there. You're hysterical. There you go again. So ungrateful. Nobody believes you. Why should I? So ask yourself, what context might you be hearing those statements within? 
Typical triggers that create a stressful environment that can lead to gaslighting include topics like money, sex, your family of origin, or habits that you came into the relationship with. Gaslighting is a particularly sneaky and damaging, again, I said this earlier in the podcast, it's a form of abuse. Because what gaslighting does, my friends, is it disconnects us or it alienates us from our own internal compass. It really separates us from our feelings and from our own sense of self. It's hard to spot because honestly, most of the time with gaslighting comes from the people we love and the people that we trust. So I want to provide for you seven signs that you're being gaslit and what you can do about it. All right, here we go. Number one, you feel foggy, confused. There's that word again. You feel confused. You feel like you're going crazy. Feeling foggy and confused, again, cannot say this enough, is the most common symptom of being gaslit. So let's say you're talking to your spouse Perhaps in the middle of a conversation, you start feeling like, wow, am I, I I'm just so confused. I, I thought it was this way. I thought I said this, but it's that moment where everything starts to feel fuzzy. You might even describe the way you feel as crazy. A healthy relationship, my friends, will leave you feeling clear-headed. And most of the time, happy. Not that it's that person's responsibility to leave you happy. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's our job. This all, most of this comes from internally, inside. We've got to be doing the work to create happiness and joy and, and being with our feelings. Like, like I'm not about positive vibes, all positive vibes welcome. I'm like, no, mm-mm. All vibes welcome here in my space. All vibes matter. However, we don't obviously want to be sitting in anger and grief and irritation and agitation and rage and resentment all day long, right? None of us want that. None of us want to be sitting in those unpleasant feelings. However, they're so important. Going off a little sideways here, here we go on the whole, you know, feeling your feelings, but I'm super passionate about this. We have a spectrum of emotions for a reason. And each one of those gives us the data and the feedback that we need in order to make choices, in order to, you know, regulate ourselves or in order to move forward and clear some things so that we can have a really powerful conversation or whatever the situation might be. So it's not necessarily somebody else's responsibility to make us happy. And, and there's that and again, a healthy relationship is enjoyable. It's where both sides are being respected and heard and seen, and it will leave you feeling clear-headed and, and a certain level of happiness, not this level of crazy and confusion and fuzz. So here's what you can do about that. When you notice that conversations aren't making sense to you, 
you know, you're having a hard time following your spouse's train of thought or the topics of conversation change at a rapid pace, it can be really helpful to take a time out. You can simply say in that moment, you know what? I'm feeling a little fuzzy at the moment. I'd like to take a break. I'll get back to you later to pick up where we left off. And there's a beautiful example of setting a boundary. And boundaries are one of the ways in which we start to take our power back. Boundaries are one of the ways in which we start to get to know ourselves. Boundaries are one of the ways in which we start to heal those over-functioning, self-abandoning, codependent parts. So by setting that boundary saying, hold on, hold on, time out. I'm feeling fuzzy. I need to take a break. You're setting a boundary. So once you've gotten some distance from the fog, write down what happened. Write down what was said, what you saw, what you heard. Get it out on paper. Perhaps you are somebody who truly enjoys processing your thoughts and feelings verbally. Call a supportive friend. Talk about what happened with somebody that you trust so that you can make better sense of it. Number two, doubting your perceptions. One of the most powerful impacts of gaslighting is that the victim begins to doubt her perceptions. She begins to doubt her reality. You may find yourself wondering, you know, did I actually see what I thought I saw? (laughs) Or did I hear what I thought I knew? I I, could have sworn I heard it this way. I'm sure that I did, but oh, maybe not, right? So you're, you're, spouse or parent, friend, whoever is the one doing the gaslighting might say to you, I didn't say that. When you are certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that he or she did. If you experience doubt about your reality, about your perceptions more often than you think you should, again, begin documenting important conversations or these agreements in writing. Really important to have this in writing. So for example, if your spouse or partner tells you that he will call a therapist in the next week, you can simply send an email to him and say something to the effect of, hey, I'm following up with my request and our agreement that you find a therapist to work with. My understanding, see, there's there's owning our reality, there's there's owning our side. My understanding is that you will call a therapist in the next week. Please let me know if this is not your understanding of our agreement. So there, and I know that might sound silly, but you've got it in writing, my friends. It's like you've got this little paper trail, okay? Number three, outsized responses to trivial matters. So let's say you bring up a simple issue. Oh, like your partner forgot to pick something up from the grocery store on the way home that he or she promised that they would. So you ask them about it. You bring it up and they say, what's wrong with you? Why are you always breathing down my neck? Now, please hear me say, all of us overreact from time to time. Every single one of us. I'm not saying it's okay, (laughs) but I am saying 
beside of heaven. We all have an off day, a bad day, a day where, you know, we didn't get a lot of sleep the night before. And we're just, our window of capacity is not, it's pretty low for whatever reason, right? So we all react, overreact from time to time. However, today we're talking about gaslighting. And if you experience these over-the-top responses to ordinary events on a regular basis, gaslighting may be the reason, okay? Number four, if your conversations go nowhere, so do you often have the experience of being in a conversation with your partner, with whoever's doing the gaslighting, and you're not able to follow the meaning of what's being said or this conversation just seems to have this endless repeating loop that never really reaches a conclusion or resolution. There's that confusion again. Gaslighting may be the culprit, my friends. So when you find yourself in a conversation loop, tell the person who's doing the gaslighting. Just be honest. Say, you know what? I'm having difficulty following what you're trying to say. And then ask if he or she can sum up their main points in three to four sentences, okay? Again, this is a really great way to use your voice to start to get in touch with your needs. Hey, I need you to sum up this in three to four sentences because I'm having difficulty following what you're trying to say. And it really matters to me what you're, what you're trying to say. All right. So if all else fails, friends, take a relational time out. For those of you who are interested, I created this handy dandy little PDF called how to take a relational time out in six steps. So I will put that in the show notes for you so that you've got that super, super valuable to start practicing some of those steps in that PDF you can totally have that. It's free. Okay. Again, that will be in the show notes. So watch for that. How to take a relational timeout in six steps. Number five, hocus pocus, change the focus. So hocus focus, change the focus is when you bring up a topic or something you want to discuss with whomever and he or she changes the topic. So for example, you want to say, well, I'd like to talk about our, um, you know, our weekly check-in. I want to talk about our weekly check-in. You know, we agreed to do this check-in once a week over coffee on Saturday morning, but hey, we've only done it once in the past month. And your partner looks at you and says, I thought you said you didn't want all the gory details about my addiction, right? Or whatever the situation is. The point is changing the subject is a very common strategy used by a lot of us from time to time in relationships. I know I have been guilty of this when it's something I don't want to talk about. It's like, let's just change the subject here, right? But again, when gaslighting is the problem, and that's what we're talking about today, it happens on a regular and relentless basis. Number six, you feel like you're on a relationship roller coaster. So you probably feel like you're walking on eggshells if you're somebody that is being gaslit. You have difficulty staying up to date with your partner, your spouse, your parent, your friend, whoever is doing the gaslighting. You have 
trouble staying up to date with their frequent highs and lows. So one minute they're planning like something lavish, romantic vacation, extravagance, and the next they're snapping at you about being three minutes late. Okay, so it's like, whoa, get me off this roller coaster, right? Unpredictability is one of the most effective ways to destabilize a relationship and cause another person to be in that constant state of confusion. There it is again, uncertainty, stress, and hypervigilance. Gaslighting messes with your head to such an extent that oftentimes you're the one being gaslit. Your goal will become keeping your partner happy at all costs. And what this means, my friends, is that you prioritize their feelings and you feed into the narrative that they created about your relationship dynamic. Fights are part of every normal relationship. Conflict can be really, really beautiful. You've heard me talk about that before. Conflict can be a beautiful way to be clear about your needs and communicate your needs effectively and your parameters and your limits and what you want and what you desire and and take the relationship to a really deep level. But if your partner makes you feel guilty for bringing up your feelings, your reality, blames you for every conflict in the relationship, that's a sign of gaslighting, my friends. Number seven, when words and actions don't match. When a person's word, words and actions don't match, that can truly be crazy making. So if, again, your partner, your friend, your, your parent, whomever, says that they love you while they're being blatantly abusive, cruel, or hurtful, you're being gaslit, Okay. On the other hand, you might experience this person as charming, kind, thoughtful, even when you know he or she's doing things that harm the relationship. Again, either case, you're going to feel uncertain. You're going to feel confused. You're going to feel like you're crazy. You're going to feel like you're crazy. So what can you do about this when words and actions don't match? Friends, you're going to save yourself additional pain and disappointment by paying more attention to the person's actions and behavior rather than their words. Friends, please pay attention to patterns, not what they say they're going to do. Pay attention to patterns. Pay attention to actions. Pay attention to behavior, okay? All right, so all along the podcast today, I've included a few things that you can do to deal with being gaslit. And I just want to share with you a couple more things that you can do that I think would be really helpful if you are in a relationship where you are being gaslit. Okay, first up, give yourself permission to feel all of your feelings. Okay? Accept, acknowledge that what you feel is okay. I actually recommend tracking your feelings, learning about your emotions, tracking your patterns. This allows you to learn what triggers your feelings. 
gives you really helpful information and strategies to shift your moods. I, I'm so obsessed with talking about feeling your feelings. It, it, it's just, we've got to learn to feel. We've got to learn to live from the neck down, my friends. We cannot think our way out of these situations. We've got to learn to tap into the wisdom of the body and to feel our feelings and to give ourselves permission to feel whatever it is we need to feel. And what you feel is okay. Give yourself the okay to give something up. So part of what makes it painful and challenging to leave a gaslit relationship is that the gaslighter may be the one quote unquote, someone that you have committed to, such as, you know, your best friend, your mom, your sister, your brother, your partner. I'm here to tell you it's okay to walk away from the toxicity regardless of the source. There again, pay attention to your thoughts. What is the story that you're telling yourself that you need to maintain and be in this relationship. Please hear me say, it is okay to walk away from the person who is gaslighting you, okay? It's okay to walk away from the poison that they are trying to inflict on you. Remember that you can't control anyone's opinion. Even if, my friends, you are right, okay, we've got to live on our side of the street. We cannot live on somebody else's side of the street, meaning we don't get to control how other people think, how other people feel, how other people react. We have to get back on our side of the street, understanding and knowing that we can only control how we show up. You may never get your friend, your boss, your partner to agree that you aren't too sensitive or whatever. You got to let go of trying, okay? You got to let go of trying to convince someone because it's crazy making. It's it's maddening, right? The only person whose opinion you can control is yours. This one is really, really, really important, and that is have compassion for yourself. And this is really hard, even when you're not in a compromising dynamic. I find personally that this is what every one of my clients is missing. It's what I was missing. It was like the secret key is, you know, I was even coming into all of my own personal growth work with judgment, like there was something wrong with me. No. No, we have got to have compassion for ourselves, especially when we're in a situation like being gaslit. So we've got to really bring in that compassion, even when we're not feeling confident and strong, okay? Because even when we're not feeling confident and strong, it's even harder to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. It's even harder to give ourselves the kindness and the love that we deserve. So now is the time for self-care. Now is the time for bringing in that, that self-compassion. If you feel like you're being gaslit in your relationships, trust your gut. Find somebody in your inner circle that you can confide in, that can show you some compassion, that can mirror that compassion 
back for you, okay? And I understand that if you're somebody who's being gaslit, trusting yourself can be a real challenge. It can do a whole podcast just in and of itself on trusting yourself. But that goes back to feeling your feelings, friends. And if you're feeling something, if there's something coming up for you, great, beautiful. That's where we start. And then we have to take action on that. Okay. How do we actually learn to trust ourselves? Let's talk about that really briefly for just a minute. You've got to learn, you know, if you're being gaslit, healing from from being gaslit, you've got to learn how to believe in yourself. And and again, your confidence is probably pretty low. You probably have a lot of self-abandoning, codependent type patterns and tendencies coming up. And so you're probably really harsh on yourself. You're probably utilizing judgment of yourself instead of bringing in that self-compassion. So here are some ways that I want to give you just, you know, to help you get started on learning how to trust yourself. Number one, practice what's called mindfulness. Gaslighting can really alienate us from our own thoughts and feelings. Again, I've said that many times throughout the podcast today. And so we've got to learn how to listen to ourselves. We've got to learn to give ourselves time to feel the negative feelings that carry the data and the feedback. Those feelings can help us learn about ourselves and they can be a way that we heal. You've probably heard the statement before, we have to feel to heal. I stand behind that statement 150%. So begin by noticing basic needs. If you're really somebody who struggles with this, and I was somebody who totally struggled with this, so I got you. (laughs) I got you. Okay, so begin to notice basic needs like hunger, tiredness, thirst, rather than pushing them aside. Then start taking a second to like just step back. Notice your emotions. You don't have to change them or shame yourself for feeling them. Simply validate your own experience. So start to pay attention to, hmm, I'm really, really tired. Like that's a basic need. Like I need sleep. Start to get curious. Start to notice the emotions like, oh, I'm feeling so sad today. Well, of course, right? I only got four hours of sleep last night. That always is ugh, such a such a thing. For I mean, I, I'm like, if I don't get my seven to eight hours, eight's preferable. Sometimes it's only seven. I, I'm, I'm kind of an emotional mess. <laughs> so again, Start to notice by basic needs and then take a second to step back and notice your emotions. Number two, keep a feelings journal. Get into the habit again of recording what you're thinking and feeling every day. It can start to really help you develop that feeling vocabulary. It can help you to really get in touch with your inner voice, okay? Um, what you're doing here by keeping a feelings journal is you're creating timelines and really monitoring your emotions. And journaling can be a great way of separating out your thoughts and your feelings from the beliefs of the person who is gaslighting you. Okay. Number three, affirm your own feelings and opinions. If you're somebody who likes or seeks a lot of external validation from friends and partners, It can be useful to consciously practice validating and affirming yourself. Big fan over here of self-validation. We've got to learn how to validate ourselves. It's okay to turn to supportive loved ones, okay? 
I've mentioned that a couple times in the show, get the support you need from the people you trust. And we've got to learn how to build value from within. We've got to learn how to self-validate. So next time you have an urge to ask somebody to validate, you know, a thought, a perception, a feeling, maybe take a moment, give yourself that time out, pause, take a moment, sit with it, affirm it for yourself first instead. Okay. This can be really difficult, but the more you practice it, the more you're going to learn how to trust yourself. Find professional support. Number four, please. We were not meant to do this work alone. I don't care if you go to therapy, if you work with a coach, getting the professional support of somebody who has been trained to hold space for you and help you with the tools that you need is, I mean, there's just, there's nothing like it. We were not meant to do this work alone. We need, I believe, the guidance of somebody that can really help us in our recovery process. And the right therapist or coach will be able to help you separate your own thoughts, beliefs, perceptions from those of you, for those of you who have been gaslit, right? They're going to really help you be able to heal from your trauma. Super, super important, my friends. That's what I have for you today. That's what I have for you today. So make sure that you download the um, how to take a relational timeout in six steps. Also, I'm going to put in the show notes, one of the ways that we can heal is, you guys know, you know, this is the Becoming Boundaried podcast, so I'm all about the boundaries, is learning how to understand what a healthy boundary is learning, you know, what we actually do have control over, learning how to call upon our inner leader in times of setting a boundary when we feel really, really scared or really, really fearful, learning the language. Because when we're new to boundary work, it's, it's scary. And what will happen is we go into this state of dysregulation. We go into a state of typically fight or flight. And that's when we start to get confused and pretty soon the next thing you know we're we're you know being confronted by somebody and we're over in the corner you know talking to our cat <laughs> trying to avoid the conversation because we're in flight mode. So we've got to have tools in our toolbox in order to stay regulated and so that we can communicate stand in our truth and effectively communicate our truth. So Build Better Boundaries is happening again May 17th, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Save your seat. It's free. It's two-hour live interactive workshop. It's amazing. It's, it, it's You will walk away with so many incredible tools and aha moments. So Please save your seat and get inside Build Better Boundaries happening on May 17th. Again, that'll be in the show notes for you. So grab that as well. Okay, friends, that's what I have for you today. Please don't forget, you know, the gaslighting is such a hot topic right now. And 
please share this out with anybody you know who is in a situation where they are being gaslit. This this podcast could be the very thing that helps them to have that moment of clarity so that they can stand in their sovereignty and say, you know what? Today's the day. No more. No more. Thank you as always for being here, hanging out with me. Thank you for being a part of this community and we'll see you on the next podcast episode. If you like this episode or you're a fan of the Becoming Boundaried show, the best way you can show your support is to share it on your social media outlets and with your family and friends. And if you're feeling really generous, we would love for you to hop on over to iTunes and give us a review. Thank you for listening and thank you for being a part of this community. Have an amazing week and as always, stay true to you.